Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In London, this is The Economist with Tasting Menu, a selection of our finest reporting and analysis from this week. I'm Kenneth Kukier, a senior editor at The Economist, and on our menu this week, China's new year goes global. How to make America date again and the case for rational compassion. But first, in retreat was our cover line this week. America's president, Donald Trump, has turned his ire towards multinational corporations, opting for nationalistic protectionism as his policy of choice. This may hinder global companies, but they were already on the back foot, as our cover leader explained. Multinational firms, those that do a large chunk of their business outside their home region, employ only one in 50 of the world's workers. But they matter. A few thousand firms influence what billions of people watch, wear and eat. And aside from holding sway over individual people, they have huge financial heft too. They account for a third of the value of the world's stock markets and they own the lion's share of its intellectual property, from lingerie designs to virtual reality software and diabetes drugs. This global hegemony was born out of openness. They boomed in the early 1990s as China and the former Soviet bloc opened and Europe integrated. Investors liked global firms' economies of scale and efficiency. But as we all know, what goes up is very likely to eventually come down. In the past five years, the profits of multinationals have dropped by 25%. Returns on capital have slipped to their lowest in two decades. So adaptation has become the modus operandi. Many firms are simply too big they will have to shrink their empires. Others are putting down deeper roots in the markets where they operate. So will the multinationals hold firm against these storms of social change? Pick up a copy of this week's issue to read all of our analysis. With global companies starting to withdraw behind borders, in our China section this week, we see a local tradition flourishing all over the world. As an article explained, the country's Lunar New Year is turning into a global holiday. In Tokyo, window cleaners dress up as the animals of the Chinese zodiac. Barcelona's Chinese parade includes Drax, a Catalan species of dragon. America, Canada and New Zealand have issued commemorative stamps for the Year of the Chicken. Last year, New York City made the Lunar New Year a school holiday for the first time. This spread of festive cheer is due, at least in part, to recent emigration from China. 9.5 million Chinese people have moved abroad since 1978, many of them far richer than earlier waves of migrants. It also reflects the wealth and globe-trotting ambitions of China's new middle class. Festivities in other countries are partly aimed at the six million Chinese who are expected to spend their week-long holiday abroad this year. And its popularity is making waves around the global community. It is rumoured that this year's World Economic Forum in Davos was held a week earlier than usual to avoid clashing with Chinese New Year. Leaving the Chinese zodiac, 
Over in our America section, a scuffle over finances is threatening to deflate the start of Argentina's football season. An article reported from the sidelines. The government owes 350 million pesos, that's $22 million, to Argentina's football association, AFA, which owes the same amount to the country's football clubs. Many are unable to pay their players. The dispute may delay the restart of the top division season, scheduled for February 3rd. This muddy situation arose from some rather clean ideals. The crisis stems from Mr Macri's determination to sweep away the populist policies of his predecessor, Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, which extended to football. He is also using the government's muscle to force reform on a sport notorious for corruption. Her game strategy... Let them watch football. For years, Argentines without cable television could only watch highlights of weekend fixtures. This amounted to hijacking the goals until Sunday, Ms. Fernandez fumed. Her solution was Football para Todos, a 10-year deal with the AFA to broadcast on free-to-air television matches played by the national and top-tier teams. The government paid 600 million pesos in the first season. But there was a not-so-subtle catch which had opponents up in arms. Adverts shown at half-time were often government propaganda. There is a new manager of America, and while the world looked on anxiously during his first few days as president, we turned our attention to his unique economic policy, Trumponomics, in our Money Talks podcast this week. Here's Douglas Elmendorf, the former head of the Congressional Budget Office, now at Harvard University, giving his views on the decision-making processes of the economic populist. I think we see two things in Donald Trump's interviews. One is that he is an economic nationalist in a way that our previous presidents have not been. Two, he believes in staking out very aggressive negotiating positions and hoping that plays to his advantage in the negotiation. So I think he is trying to state things very strongly in a way that ruffles feathers, that upsets the existing uh, order, in the hopes that that will somehow lead to the United States getting a better deal in the end. It's all a part of the art of the deal, perhaps. Now on to our business section, where we explore the companies promising to make America date again. Apps and websites are tapping into the political zeitgeist and setting up romantic matches on both sides of the aisle, as an article explained. After Donald Trump was elected president, MapleMatch, an online dating app which connects Canadians and Americans, was inundated with people signing up. The app promised to make it easy for Americans to find a Canadian partner to save them from the unfathomable horror of a Trump presidency. Oh, if only it were that easy. And Trump supporters are feeling restless too. Trumpsingles.com is forging connections too. Its founder, David Goss, wants to make it easier for Trump supporters to find each other. The site's earliest users were in Los Angeles, New York and Philadelphia, which are Democratic strongholds. Now its users are in every state. They are also signing up from abroad, including in Britain and in Russia. But so far, not in Mexico. According to Singles in America, a report from Match.com, people who bring up political leanings and agree on them during the first date have a 91% chance of getting to a second. For some, party allegiance is just the beginning of a special relationship. Candidate, a non-partisan dating site, asks its members where they stand on issues ranging from the Q 
Keystone XL pipeline to Obamacare. Some websites have to change their message, like the one that brought together supporters of the presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders. It hopes to rebrand itself as a site for progressive singles and relaunch in April. Many would be sorry to see the back of its memorable catchphrase. The 1% are not the only ones getting screwed this election season. And who says that politics is heartless? Organs, but not the heart, make their way into our science section this week with the healthy advances of bioprinting. On this week's episode of Babbage, our technology and science podcast, The Economist's healthcare correspondent, Natasha Loder, explained the possibilities of the technique. One thing that might be really useful to print would be blood vessels, because these often need replacing. There's a company in China called uh, Sichuan Revotech Biotech that has uh, successfully implanted printed sections of veins into monkeys. And ultimately, uh, you know, this sort of technology would allow you to print a vein that could be used to replace something that had bust in a human. The opportunities are wonderful. Maybe we can print out a whole new podcast host. Hmm. To find out more about the wonders of bioprinting, listen to this week's Babbage podcast. Moving on to our final taste of the issue, which comes from our books and arts section. We reviewed a book which argued that there was perhaps too much empathy in the world today and laid out the case for reasoned compassion instead. In an age of partisan divides, it has become popular to assert that the wounds of the world would heal if only people made the effort to empathize more with each other. One would have hoped, but this is something that Paul Bloom, a psychologist at Yale, disagrees with. People are binging on a sentiment that does not, on balance, make the world a better place. Empathy is sugary soda, tempting and delicious and bad for us. In its stead, Mr. Bloom prescribes a nutritious diet of reason, compassion and self-control. It must be stated that Mr. Bloom is not against general goodwill, rather with the definition of empathy which suggests that people feel what others feel. Though philosophers at least as far back as Adam Smith have held it up as a virtue, Mr. Bloom says it is a dubious moral guide. Empathy is biased. People tend to feel for those who look like themselves. It is innumerate, blind to statistics and to the costs of saccharine indulgence. And when it comes to policy, empathy can cause us to miss the bigger picture. It is because of empathy that citizens of a country can be transfixed by a girl stuck in a well and largely indifferent to climate change, he writes. Doing away with empathy altogether is, of course, realistically implausible. But his point is a good one, as we explained. Empathy is easily exploited, marshalled on either side of the aisle to create not a bridge but an impasse of feelings. In a time of post-truth politics... His book offers a much-needed call for facts. And the fact is, sadly, that's all for this week's Tasting Menu. Don't forget, you can read all of the articles mentioned in this week's issue and find our other podcasts online. Keep sending in your feedback by email to radio at economist.com. In London, this is The Economist. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves 
without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rustolium.